The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage? Looking for a reputable, fully licensed, insured, and certified contractor? Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. With over 62 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and Eric, and their team is prepared to handle any size disaster. The guys are born and raised in South Florida, so changing the narrative on the way contractors conduct business in South Florida is extremely important to them. Their objective is to make cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed building contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There's no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle it all for you. Call or text them anytime at 561 561- 408-7835 for immediate assistance. The number again, 561-408-7835. Water cleanup of Florida. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code 5. That's the word 5, F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States for more than 60 years, combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24-7, walk in, call in, click in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at SF Agent Peters, or you can call at 305-275-5585. Remember, lewispeters.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Artiaga, and you asked for it. 
You've been asking for it on my Twitter account, on the Three Yards Per Carry Twitter account, and we've made it possible. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. We're all together. The band is back together again. Everybody keeps asking, why don't you guys just, you know, do all your podcasts together? Well, you know, we don't want, you know, we don't mind abusing Simon, but, you know, there's just so many times we could have him get up in the middle of the night to do a podcast with us. Right. Right, Simon. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but in a, I, I hear that in a uh, surprise move um, next Monday, uh, I'll, I'm going to be dismissed for being an asshole to everybody. <laughs> Really? Which, which brings us to, and before, of course, which will bring us to Brian Flores. Uh, I see this what you podcast, did there, Chris. I thought you were being serious. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code five RSN, twenty percent off your entire order. Why you wouldn't use the promo code? I don't know. Five RSN, twenty percent off. Imagine oh. having a promo code but not using it. Yeah, I don't get that either. That's like going into a supermarket and the, on the left-hand side shelf, it just says everything's free and people ignoring it and going and buying exactly the same thing, but actually paying for it. Yeah, like uh, uh, people, we get information like, you know, directly from the sponsors and many a times people have clicked on the link that I have provided and not used our promo code. How that happens, I do not understand. Anyways... Uh, the national media is up is is in an uproar. We we evidently fired Vince Lombardi. Simon, your thoughts on the dismissal? We're going to be brief on this. We're going to get into all the candidates, but first we'll touch on Brian Flores. Your reaction to the dismissal, and I guess your overall thoughts. Although we did cover it before. Yeah, I mean nothing to add from what I said the other day, really. And the, there's always going to be a sort of he said, she said that comes out in the media. So nothing changes it was expected you've seen people saying oh you know the Dolphins should look at this a really interesting head coaching candidate Brian Flores well you know it didn't work out for whatever reason I'm sure some of that will come out in the wash and I'm sure Flo will go on to be a head coach somewhere else and we'll just see how it plays out and whether some of the things that we've heard whether they um, matriculate a little bit further out both from former players but also from you know whatever new team he ends up at. But as far as the national media goes, you know, I, I don't really care. You know, the national media said, you know, the Dolphins were lucky to win eight out of the last nine and they didn't play anybody. And then we sat Brian Flores and all of a sudden it's like, you know, he's the guy that got you eight out of nine. He's the guy that took, you know, you can't win either way. So frankly, I don't care. I mean, I genuinely don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, Chris, uh, your thoughts on the dismissal and the reaction thereof of Brian Flores. Like we have, we, we have a, like certain, I don't know if you saw Josh Gad post and his subsequent, oh, God, yeah. his subsequent, Ol- uh, when you appearance. lose Olaf, when you lose Olaf. Yeah. His appearance. Oh my God. It was heartbreaking. His appearance on, uh, forgive me. I don't remember the guy's name, but Adam it's Shine. Adam shine. There he is. Bam. Adam Shine's show. His appearance was it was heartbreaking. It's for the franchise. Move him to London. I'm sure Simon will be happy or not. Well, if Chris, they bring no. out, if they bring everybody, if they bring the owner and everybody in the front office, then Simon won't be happy. <laughs> um, 
Now, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, it's hard to know unless you were there and, and, you know, I don't want to cast aspersions on Brian Flores as a person or as a coach, you know, without, without really having knowledge of it, but it seems how it's being painted by people within the dolphins is that, you know, he was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of uneven treatment between the defensive players and the offensive players. Um, it's, and therefore no surprise that the defense players are, are all, you know, speaking up and quite vocal and, um, uh, in, in uproar about Brian Flores being, uh, being dismissed. Uh, whereas most of the offensive players are either quiet or, um, or, you know, in, in Devonte Parker's case, quite loudly applauding the, the move. Um, you know, so I think that, uh, I think there's uneven treatment there. There he's being accused of uneven treatment between offensive and defensive players. He's being accused of, um, of, straddling poorly the line between hard ass and asshole. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the, um, that's, I mean, cause if you think about it, if you think about it, Tua Tungvaluwa was, was under Nick Saban three years and, um, you know, that, that is the ultimate hard ass. Right. So, um, and, and there are, there are several other players on, on the dolphins that are, um, that are that were at Alabama under Saban. Um, so I think that if if he did not do that successfully, uh, well, then that that could be why um, the if the relationship between he and Chris Greer deteriorated as as I'm be, being told or as as we hear like to where they didn't even speak for the, like the last three weeks or something like that, then that's that is a problem. You do have to decide. Um, you do have to decide one or the other or neither, you know, um, at that point, it's just, it's just one of those things. Um, dolphins chose one over the other instead of neither. Um, so I think that, uh, the stuff that the thing that concerns me the most, right, actually is, is what's coming out because the stuff that's sort of corroborated by what we already knew. I mean, we already saw a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick who was in college, you know, the teacher's pet. Um, and, and then in the pros, again, under the ultimate hard ass, Nick Saban adored him, like loved him comes to Miami under Brian Flores. And he is like, no, you know, absolutely not. I'm not playing on, you know, another, I'm not playing another game. Stephen Ross, this asshole. At, we, we, you know, not to rehash this. Cause we covered this on the podcast. Steven Ross got on a plane from New York to Miami to salvage the relationship showed up to sit down with Minka Fitzpatrick, and Minka Fitzpatrick told him, I appreciate, appreciate you coming, but I can't play for this man. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's one thing. And we, we have, we have um, really, uh, you know, denigrated um, Minka Fitzpatrick for that, and he deserves to yeah. be. Um, yes. and, and Alf, Alf has. Or <laughs> Alf has. <laughs> but no, I, I think he deserves to be when you when you pull something like that as a player, especially especially I was really disappointed to hear what Minka did in the practices um, that, you know, in order to in order to basically instigate the the move or uh, bolster his case. Um, but yeah, so when you have a situation like that, that that really gets shit on both people's shoes, um, you know, and that's that's the. Uh, that that's an, an instance you got a guy like Kyle Van Noy who walked in as as Brian Flores's friend um you know supposedly uh barbecues and ball games I barbecues said so. and bar you know barbecues and ball games type friend walked out like 
with major beef with Brian Flores, you know, um, that's happened too many times actually too, because like uh, Chad O'Shea walked in as Brian Flores's friend. He, he uprooted his entire family to come down to Miami and it was a big deal for them to do that. And he followed Flores down to Miami and then he got here and was dismissed quickly um, after, after a year. Uh, and I think that, you know, George Godsey, if you were to talk to him uh, without anybody else there or without um, anything being recorded, I, I think he would have some interesting things to say. And he walked into Miami himself as, as a friend of Brian Flores too. I mean, he, he said in his, uh, in his first press conference that they used to talk on the phone every day. Um, and so, you know, Josh McDaniels, the, when he went to Denver and became the head coach, it was like, um, people, people there said that he became somebody other than Josh McDaniels. Like he, 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 he like became this, almost this cartoon image of what he thinks that he should be as the head coach. And you wonder if Brian Flores made a similar mistake in Miami and he just, he just basically picked fights with everybody, including members of the media and, you know, members of the media staff, uh, you know, from, from the, the team, just basically everybody up and down, um, the, on the staff and the coaching staff and, you know, the players and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and eventually the dolphins were just like, you know, I think Ross came to believe we have a strong roster. We can survive this. Um, but you know, this isn't, but this, this sort of, this sort of, um, enemy making from the head coach, you know, within is, is never going to win us the championship. So that's, that's why he did it, but it doesn't mean it was the right call. It doesn't mean it no. was the right decision. Well, um, I, don't, I don't, I don't think it was the right call, but I, I wasn't in the building. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not, not in the qualified building to say, but right. Was or not. <laughs> it doesn't mean it was the right call. It's just that this is, this is what they're saying. And this is the, the mistake that they think Brian Flores was making. It doesn't even mean that he'll make that mistake at his future stop. He might learn from this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's sort of like, I tell people Nick Saban is both one of the most legendary coach football coaches I've ever witnessed. And the guy who was a bad coach in Miami, like he's, he's actually, he's actually both of those, you know, and, and sometimes there are discrete decisions that you can make, um, you know, at, at key turning moments or key moments. And Nick and Saban just, fired, uh, this story was rehashed the other day on the radio. Nick Saban fired a secretary that was there in Davie for 22 years for quote unquote, getting too personal. You know how she got personal. Yeah. She, she asked, asked him about, about his, his haircut. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so, so, I mean, he's both, he is both a legendary coach and the guy who was actually legitimately not good in Miami. Like not a he, good person. No, not, not even just not a good person, but not necessarily even a good coach. He didn't get results. He made some poor decisions, some key decisions that were poor. You he know, was that, dumbfounded that, by the by the red challenge flag. Like that thing was like alien to him. Like he didn't yeah, understand. He what made it meant. he made some poor decisions that hurt not only his tenure in Miami, but future, you know, the Miami's future. Um, and he just, you know, sometimes, sometimes even good, sometimes even good players miss, you know, and, um, and I think that Nick Saban was both a legendary great coach and, and a guy who was a bad coach in Miami. And it might've, it might've been irrecoverable quite frankly, by the end. Um, and so I think that what Miami would be saying in this case is Flores could be a good coach, but by the end, he destroyed so many relationships. This was irrecoverable. All right. And 
we'll never get get to the bottom of what happened to uh, Dave Guglielmo, who was here for two weeks. Two weeks. Or or what's his name? Flaherty. Pat Flaherty. <laughs> Why? What, what? What? He was here for. He was here for training camp. What? What happened yeah. there? <laughs> yeah, what was that? I remember I spoke to Dave Guglielmo, and he spoke at length of every single guy, including Michael Dieter, who he was a fan of at the time, who was a who was a second year player. And that's probably why he wasn't here for. Yeah, that's probably why he was sat there. <laughs> and two days later, and two days later, uh, uh, Matt Taylor came down and said, uh, "Dave Guglielmo is no longer here. He has resigned. <laughs> he is he's no longer the offensive line coach." For the well, what, what happened with Jim? Or what happened with Caldwell? Yeah, you know, Caldwell, I know there were Cal- I know there well, were health issues, but he could have stuck. Yeah, uh, Jim Caldwell has since put out that he does, he no longer has health issues. He's older, yeah. but but he has he no longer has health issues, yeah. and I mean, he's ready to take control of a team. So it's just been weird. It's been a weird ride. But I will say this to to just to wrap this all up: uh, you can't be surprised that you have a power hungry maniac at head coach if you gave him the power to fire your PR staff, Mister Greer. Okay, so. I think this falls right back to Chris Greer. You can't all of a sudden complain. Oh, you know, you know what? Like what? There's gambling in this casino. Like you know, you can't do that. All right. You ceded power for three years, and then you're complaining at the end, and it leads to a firing because your your relationship is essentially in the toilet. But enough about Brian Flores. We got candidates coming in. Uh, some interviews. I guess Simon will enlighten us. Uh, yeah, so three defensive. Leslie Frazier, currently defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. Vance Joseph, currently defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals, obviously was DC in Miami uh, with Adam Gaze. And Dan Quinn, former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, now DC uh, of the Dallas Cowboys, who's kind of revolutionized that Cowboy defense. And then three offensive coaches, Brian Dayball, currently offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Mike McDaniel, who is the offensive play designer and de facto offensive coordinator, although he doesn't call plays in San Francisco. And Kellen Moore, the former Boise State left-handed quarterback, who is the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator. And how do we feel about this list right off the bat? You want to go one by one or do you want to, you know? Yeah, let's go. Let's go one by one. Um, Let's go with the, the most experienced, uh, Dan Quinn. Uh, my reservations on Dan Quinn were, you know, does his, were the defensive systems he's run in the past mesh with what we have right now as far as talent? And if you watch his Dallas Cowboys defense, he's completely changed some of his philosophies and some of his ideas. Um, he's gone more to a system that's similar to what we run here in Dallas because of the personnel. That's a very, very good sign. I don't know your thoughts, Simon. Yeah, I'm a big uh, – I like Dan Quinn. Um, I was going to say I'm a big fan. I, I like him. I like what he did in Atlanta. Obviously, took the Falcons to the Super Bowl. It was very difficult post-Super Bowl. I don't think anybody really recovers from being 28-3 up at the end of the third quarter or pretty much the end of the third quarter and losing a Super Bowl. How you come back from that is um, is difficult. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan then left. They went 10-6 and six the following season, but after that – things did start to, to slip away, but I just don't think that franchise ever recovered. And I don't think you can with the same personnel and the kind of the same hangover that just 
you know, all the same people all around you the whole time. What he's done in Dallas, I think, is extremely impressive. He's essentially changed the system completely, revolutionized his system. Um, and you're seeing the, the the effects. You know, you could talk about Micah Parsons was a great player anyway, you know, coming out of Penn State. But, you know, he needs to be coached. And, uh, and Quinn has maximized his ability both as an off-ball linebacker, as a blitzing linebacker, but also as a, as a, as a pure pass rusher. Randy Gregory has obviously had a lot of talent, but that talent has been honed now spectacularly. The defensive tackles play really well. Um, there's not been injuries to Leighton Van Der Esch. I know he doesn't control injuries, but what it means is that he's flexing Van Der Esch in and out of the lineup. Trayvon Diggs obviously has had a spectacular year. Um, the kid from Michigan, Jordan Lewis, has played really well. Um, and I just think schematically, he's just really flipped his scheme upside down and, and worked with the talent that he has. I, I find him a very interesting candidate. I suspect he would probably try and bring Aiden Durd, who I know pretty well from over here. He's a Londoner, played football over here, I think with the London Olympians and has been, was part of the international um so they run a coaching scheme similar to the international player development scheme. Uh, Dirt latched on with Quinn with the Falcons and was so impressive that he then came. He's now defensive line coach with the Cowboys. Uh, he's considered a, uh, very much a rising star um, in coaching circles. So, uh, yeah, Dan Quinn I like. I think he's a very interesting uh, interesting candidate. And uh, offensively, Charlie Weiss Jr., who's the son of Charlie Weiss, now offensive coordinator at Ole Miss um, under Lane Kiffin, he worked very closely with Dan Quinn for a number of years in Atlanta. Wouldn't surprise me if he went back to, especially with Matt Corral leaving Ole Miss, wouldn't surprise me if he went back to the well there um, and perhaps brought him in as his OC. Um, so, yeah, Dan Quinn, I think, for me, is the number one retread out there. Yeah, and and I will say something. You mentioned some players. Anthony Brown was on his way out of the league. Complete resurrection this year. And one of the better players on that defense. So, yeah, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn does deserve a lot of credit with, for that turnaround in Dallas. Chris, your thoughts? Um, the thing that stands out about to me about Dan Quinn is, um, first off, like he was here in Miami. Uh, that may be a big deal. Um, you know, so we have a GM in place. Say what you want about the, the, that decision. But, um, but you know, Dan Quinn was here. I, I think it was uh, – who was it? Um, was uh, not Jeff Ireland, but the um, – uh, Randy Mueller. Mueller. Randy Mueller. He pointed out. He pointed out in um, that uh, that Dan Quinn was he was he talking about Dan Quinn or Brian Dable? I forget, but uh, either one, both of them had been here. I mean, notice the theme actually. You know, we're talking about Dan Quinn who was here in Miami with Chris Greer. We're talking about Brian Dable who was uh, here in Miami at the same time Chris Greer was, and we're talking about uh, Vance Joseph who was here in Miami uh, at the same time Chris Greer was. So we're we've got we got a little bit of a theme going there. Um, the thing that stands out to me about Quinn is, is his, his staffs that he put together in Atlanta. And I think that was really impressive. I mean, he, he originally had uh, Kyle Shanahan and that entire crew, including Matt LaFleur and uh, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel, like all, all on staff under Kyle Shanahan on the offensive side and Terry Rubisky, you know, he's a respected name um, out there as a, um, and on the defensive side, coach. yeah, he's, on the defensive side, he's had, he's been associated with guys like Richard Smith and, and Mark Juan Manuel and, um, you know, Jeff Albrick and, and stuff like that. So, um, I think that you're looking for a guy that, that can put together. See, 
I don't think we would question whether he could put together a defensive staff, but, but when you look at the fact that he was able to get that entire Shanahan crew um, with him in Atlanta and then replace him with Steve Sarkeesian, you know, when, when Shanahan left, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Um, So I think that uh, maybe, maybe it started to, to falter a little bit under Dirk Cutter, but um, you know, when, when he brought Dirk Cutter along, but uh, and, you know, I think that uh, he can put together a staff. You look at the guys that he's coaching with in Dallas. I mean, Mike McDaniel has coached under him. So would it terribly surprise me if, if Dan Quinn were the head coach of Miami? Um, you know, does he does he dangle the job to, to Mike McDaniel to say, hey, you're basically the head coach of the offense? You know, just like Kyle Shanahan was under him in Atlanta, you know? Um, does, does that, uh, does that work for Mike McDaniel? Um, does it work for Kellen Moore? I don't know, you know? <laughs> um, so who knows? So, um, I think that, uh, I think that he's, he's a really good candidate. He might even be, you know, kind of the top candidate. I know he's, he's a very in-demand candidate though, too. Um, so, you know, Miami would have to, he might have multiple offers on the table, to be honest. All right, uh, moving on, Simon. Um, Vance Joseph, I'll bring up Vance Joseph for a second. There was a time where Stephen Ross had, I guess, bragged to certain people. I got two head coaches on staff. Uh, problem was that the other one was Adam Gase. Okay, but he was very fond of Vance Joseph and was kind of upset when he lost him after a year. Um, he was getting paid a ton of money here to be the D.C. Uh, your thoughts on Vance Joseph and does he have any shot or is this just a, a Rooney rule? Um, I think he has a shot cause he's well known uh, mm. and probably well liked within the organization. Um, uh, to me personally, I think that he is probably best suited as a coordinator. Um, but you know, there are people that say he's Brian Flores with better people skills, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it, it depends for me on the staff that he could put together, you know, as a Bill Musgrave, for example, somebody that he could bring in as offensive coordinator. Um, it's, you know, schematically, you look at what Arizona are doing um, and you look at what they do with somebody like Buda Baker and how that would match up with what Javon Holland does, for example. Um, so schematically, I think there are similarities. Um I think he's an interesting candidate. I just am not sold that he's the best candidate. Um, just something about him as an uh, as a lead dog kind of. Do you know what I mean? There's just something that maybe uh, you know. I, I wouldn't be completely averse. My mum's FaceTiming me. Thanks, mum. Decline. Um, I would not be averse to him, but I think there are better retread candidates. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. Uh, thoughts, Chris? Vance yeah, Joseph. I don't. I don't have too many thoughts on on him, other than um, what I will say is that uh, his being on the list. I look at the list and I see some. You know, I see some themes, right? Um, I see themes. I see guys that everybody are going after, right? Um, you know, so I see, I see group think guys on the list. Um, I also see guys that the dolphins have previous experience with. This is, this is almost like, you know, I just named them. You know, these, these guys worked with the dolphins before, or in Mike McDaniel's case, he interviewed with the dolphins for the OC position, which uh, Simon uh, very eloquently um, um, pointed out on, on Twitter the other day. 
Um, you know, and so they, they thought highly of him. The, when I see that, I'm almost kind of, you know, I, don't, I, still, I still get this feeling that Miami is caught flat-footed in this search. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and they're kind of, uh, you know, it, it was at one point put, put to me by, by somebody that they might not even request any interviews this week. And Steve Ross might just want to see how things are shaking out. And it's just like, I, I, think, I think they're caught a little bit flat-footed. And, and if, if you look at the, the candidates or the, the guys that are requesting interviews from, they're either somebody that everybody's requesting an interview for, from, and so they're obvious, or they're guys that, um, that they have some sort of experience with. So they're, they're just going with very familiar wells, I guess, um, to get these candidates, including Vance Joseph. And, um, and I, I kind of wonder about that. So I'm, so I'm really still interested in seeing how this process shakes out, but it's ultimately going to be about the interviews and Vance Joseph is the guy that impresses them the most and so be it. All right, Simon, moving on. Yeah. So Leslie Frazier, um, obviously well-known, has uh, been around the league for a long time, former, uh, another retread really in terms of um, head coaching. He was, he has been a head coach uh, before now, obviously, uh, Bill's defensive coordinator and again you look at schematically they do lots of things that are fairly similar and again it sort of starts with the safeties you look at Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde two of the best safeties certainly arguably the best safety combo in the league probably alongside Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos um, and I think yeah he's an interesting name he's a, he's a good coach he's a really well respected veteran NFL coach Um whether he's the right guy will remains to be seen. I mean, I think it's interesting that they're interviewing both of the um, both of the coordinators in Buffalo. You know, almost to to weaken a division opponent as much as anything. You got like the fact that given what we do in terms of takeaways and scoring, the Bills are the best scoring defense in the NFL this season. Um, you know, and we've got a you know active. You know, we got we got yak guys on the defensive side of the ball. You know, whether that's Van Ginkel or X scored twice this season. Eguavan with the with the the end zone pick six. There are you know playmakers on defense who can score, um, and it's very much a sort of a takeaway, thriving takeaway, uh, scoring defense. So um, yeah, I, I I I'm intrigued by Leslie Frazier, um, but again, I wonder is he not just is he just a fantastic coordinator? who perhaps isn't necessarily, I, I think the defensive guys will like him. Um, but yeah, I'm, um, I wouldn't be averse, but he's not top of my list. Yeah. And Bill's defense this year was absolutely overwhelming. And when I'm, when yeah. I mean overwhelming, it's their, their metrics, their numbers are just so much better than the rest of the leagues. It's not even funny. I can't wait for that matchup against Kansas city. Chris, yeah. uh, your thoughts on Frazier before we move on to Dable. I mean, the one thing that you can say is going 10 and six with Christian Ponder in Minnesota is pretty impressive. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 That's one thing. His two other seasons. I mean, he took over his interim just for his history. Um, he took over, he was the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator under Brad Childress in, um, in Minnesota for a while. And then when Childress was dismissed, he took over as the interim guy um, and then, you know, won, won the, the round of interviews to be the permanent guy. Um, and so, you know, at the time they're messing around with quarterbacks like, um, like Christian Ponder and, uh, and, and I believe Matt Castle. And, um, you know, obviously that didn't work. Um, I think that he, he would probably have to, 
as a defensive guy and you become a, a head coach as a defensive guy, you get fired for your strengths, not your, you know, um, and that's uh, you wonder what happened to his defense in 2011 and 2000, particularly 2013 when he um, when he got dismissed um, by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, did they just, you know, was it just a problem or a talent problem at that point? Did they just not have anybody left in the in the hopper um, from a talent standpoint? Uh, who knows? But um, but yeah, so I think that um, I think that he could be a strong candidate. But again, I go back to these like these very easy themes that the Dolphins are going for of, you know, either the guys, the guys that everybody likes, the guys that we have experience with or the guys that will weaken, weaken our biggest competitor. Um, you know, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I wonder, I wonder about the thought that's going into this. Now, Brian Dable, Simon, you know, it, it's hard to get your hands around this because uh, the Dolphin fan is going to say, well, we watch Buffalo play and they refuse to run the football. How does that fit with what we got to do going forward? But it's a little bit deeper than that. Uh, your thoughts on Brian Dable? A good coach. Um, again, you, you look at um, weakening an opponent, a uh, division opponent. Would he bring Ken Dorsey with him to be his OC? Uh, obviously, Dorsey works under him in Buffalo. Incredibly creative. Um, doesn't have the best running backs, but has a very good running game. But you throw Josh Allen, obviously, into that mix with his 750-ish yards um, rushing. Um Kind of has gone off the boil a little bit in the in the past. So I suppose second half of the season, in terms of people talking about him as a, you know, the kind of the de facto de facto guru of offensive line uh, of offensive uh, play callers. But you know, you want to prioritize the current quarterback. Then Brian Dable's probably the man. You know, played with Tua during his freshman year, or Coach Tua was the offensive coordinator during his freshman year at, at Alabama, and that's uh, you know that obviously works for something you know there, there is um there is talk of brian dable getting the job in chicago working with justin fields um but really i think what the key thing is is getting good players around to her um and i think that's arguably more important than the scheme that they'll run but clearly brian dable an rpo coach uh, who understands that that form of offense would be uh, very intriguing for two so i suppose it depends you know you almost look at it in two ways do you want uh, you're entering a critical year for the quarterback. Do you want somebody who's going to build around that quarterback and build a scheme so specific to him to make it work, but also knowing that, look, if it doesn't work out, 2023, you've got CJ Stroud and Bryce Young and Will Levis and Grayson McCall coming out. You've got two first-round picks. You know, Do you want to completely hang the farm on somebody that potentially might not still be here in 12 months' time? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think anybody does. Um but I think Daybolt is a very interesting name. Obviously, he has been here before. Wasn't I? Probably didn't leave with huge love when he um, when he finished his time in Miami. But um, but in terms of in terms of what he brings to the table for the quarterback, I think it's very intriguing. Yes, Brian Dable. Uh, you know, that's that's if I were to make um, a list, you know, of who's most likely, it does seem like Dable would be on top of it. And and I yeah. think Vegas shares that, um, shares that opinion. I mean, yeah, you think about current it. Current favorite uh, in three houses. Current yeah. Um, and and that's, that's not only, that's not only the Tua Tonga Valoa connection, um, the weakening, the division opponent, uh, you know, he's been, he's been on people's lists for kind of a couple of years, really. Um, 
I think he's got an impressive resume. He was impressive as an offensive coordinator when he was here in Miami. He didn't have mm-hmm. great, great guys to work with, but um, but he clearly he clearly but he maximized did. them. He had Brandon Marshall, he, he did had Reggie Bush. Them. Career mm-hmm. years for both guys. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and you know with Matt Moore throwing the ball primarily and Chad Henney as as well. Um, and I think that uh, he you know we had we had sort of these these uh, outdated offenses prior to that and. Tony Sperano had the light come on and decide that he really needs to do things differently. And, and hiring Brian Dable was the doing things differently. And, mm. um, and it, I think that it was, uh, it, it, it was legitimate. And I think that he's been legitimate at several stops when, when you look at it, it's not just, he's not, I get really itchy when I go on with a guy that's just attached to a great quarterback. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because how many times does that actually just work? How many times does it work? Period. You know, um, I'm I'm curious about that. Uh, when well, he, he does when he know grabbed, where where our bodies are buried because he seems to own our defense, right? So well, right. But I mean, like, you know, how many how many times you go with? Okay, let's we're just gonna hire Aaron Ro- whoever happens to be Aaron Rodgers' coordinator this year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or or something like that, or Peyton Manning's coordinator, or you know, how many times does that really work? Um, so I get a little bit itchy about the, the Josh Allen thing, but it, it deserves to be said that Josh Allen was a seriously flawed, um, you know, I liked him anyway, but I mean, he was a seriously flawed prospect when he came out and he was seriously flawed, you know, his first year and, and the, the amount of improvement that he made um, was pretty, has been pretty impressive. And, and between the two of them, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Josh Allen who regresses more without Brian Dable than Brian Dable regresses with, you know, without Josh Allen. So and Josh Allen uh, is so good that people are talking about him regressing this year. And he regressed to the tune of 42 total touchdowns. You heard that right. <laughs> 42. He's, he's crazy. But, um, yeah. but I mean, just in terms of it's, it's not just that it's not just Tua Tonga Valoa. It's not just the impressive resume. He's worked with Chris Greer in Miami. He's worked with Marvin Allen in, in Buffalo. Um, you know, I think there are, there are connections there and, uh, and it would weaken the, the division opponent. So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot there that'd be, that makes him the kind of the, the clubhouse favorite, I would think. Um, but then you, you just got to see how he interviews because maybe he's, maybe he's just not that impressive as a, you know, as, as a leader of men or something. We don't, we don't have any, you know, we don't have experience with the guy, so we don't know, but, um, but you never know. We'll see. All right. Now that, that brings us to, I guess the fan favorite. Uh, I've done a couple of polls on three yards per carry and it's gotten almost 4,000 votes. This guy seems to keep edging out Brian Dable, Mike McDaniel. Uh, Simon, your thoughts on Mike McDaniel overall? I'll give my own uh, when we're done here, but your thoughts, Mike McDaniel, offense coordinator of the 49ers. He is my number one choice. Um, He is kind of Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, He looks like he has spent a lot of time growing weed. and probably and, kind of yeah and by the way not, i hate to interrupt you but some people have told me ah you know he will never go to a state where where marijuana is not legal uh it's very easy to get a a, a marijuana card allegedly in the state of florida allegedly. allegedly yeah uh he looks like an expert mm-hmm. uh, essentially he sounds like an expert at sort of microwaving microwaving frozen burritos um <laughs> But he is uh, an offensive genius, and people say, "Oh, Adam Gaze was a genius," or Joe Philbin. Everybody said that about. I have a friend who's a 49ers uh, aficionado fan, just like we are the Dolphins, and he 
is exceedingly unhappy that uh, McDaniel might be leaving. Uh, obviously, he turned down a, an offensive coordinator interview with us a year ago. Um, he has, so why is he a genius? People have been asking me on social media. So essentially in 2004, he interned with Mike Shanahan um, and Shanahan was so impressed that he got him to design plays. He was so impressed with his play designs that he got um, Daniel to essentially take on the Shanahan system and try and evolve it for the modern game, which he then did. He was so successful at doing that, that John Gruden hired him solely to design plays for John Gruden, one of the best offensive minds of a generation. Um, he has essentially been with the Shanahans throughout. Uh, we mentioned him earlier on as part of Dan Quinn's team, along with Matt LaFleur and um, and people like that, Mike, Mike LaFleur in Atlanta, uh, and then went to the San Francisco, followed Carl Shanahan there, was the passing game coordinator um, and has then uh, moved up to offensive coordinator. Um, so he does not call plays on game day, um, but what he does is design the uh, game plan, the offensive game plan, and design the plays which are going to be called by Carl Shanahan. So the only thing he doesn't do is actually say, this is the play, this is the play, this is the play. But he knows all the plays because he's put them in the game plan and he's had a huge hand in designing said plays. He's also part of the... Um, yeah, him and Shanahan are talking the entire time on headphones about what plays to run during a drive and then post a drive when the offense comes off the field, McDaniel is then preparing plays and preparing a play sheet for the next 49ers offensive drive. Um, he is so well liked by his offensive players that um, George Kittle, when he went to sign his contract, asked specifically um, to John Lynch if it could be written into his new contract that Mike McDaniel wasn't allowed to go anywhere during the tenure of Kittle's contract. That's how highly regarded, and that's not even a joke, that's how highly regarded McDaniel is. He's young. Like I said, he looks like he's come from MIT uh, and probably manufactured a number of bongs well, during uh, his next career best, at MIT. Next, next best thing, Simon, he's a uh, Yale graduate. He is a Yale graduate, yeah. Uh, he looks like he went to MIT and was kind of helped develop Facebook with um, with Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> or Face Smash or whatever it was called originally. You'd, you'd half expect him to tip up on them. Um, on the Facebook film for a few years ago with Justin Timberlake in. Uh, he's that kind of character. Um, but he is uh, an offensive uh, mastermind. Now, whether or not he has the ability to walk into a room of veteran NFL players and take over that room uh, is very interesting to me. And I'm not sure, I don't know the answer to that. I think his hires as offensive and defensive coordinator would be very, very important. Uh, one name that was floated, and I think it was um, was absolutely right, one name was James Betcher, who was the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals, who is now uh, an assistant, uh, a special assistant to the defense in uh, in San Francisco, working with, um, working with D'Amico Ryans there. Uh, I find him very interesting. I think he's a very, very uh, switched-on, interesting uh, candidate. Um, and I know that the Dolphins were very disappointed last year that he didn't interview for the offensive coordinator uh, position. So, yeah, I think he's just a very intriguing prospect. Obviously, uh, schematically, offensively, things would change. You know, that zone um, running system that they have that's so successful, um, the one-cut-and-go system uh, developed, obviously, by Bobby Turner, one of the great um, offensive coaches, one of the great position coaches of all time, really, a Hall of Fame position coach who was in Denver with Mike Shanahan has gone over to, to work with Kyle. I mean, getting him would be an absolute boon, but I can't really see that happening. But yeah, um, 
you know, it would require a change schematically up front, certainly with a line, which I'm sure Chris will go into in a moment. Um, but certainly a focus on those kind of one cut and go running backs, people like Brees Hall, Zach Charbonnet, etc., etc. in the draft. Um, so, yeah, I think I, to me, he's the number one candidate. I, I'm very intrigued by Mike McDaniel. Uh, Chris, Mike McDaniel. I think that he's sort of the anti Joe Philbin um, in that yeah. uh, and as much as, you know, so, sort of what we've described as his role as he's used to being not play caller, but, you know, um, coordinator and and having court. I mean, Joe Philbin was sort of a PowerPoint administrative guy on, on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Mike McDaniel is really a play designer, you know, and a, and a, um, and a really a, a playbook yeah, designer. Joe Philbin, you know? Joe Philbin was a project manager and Mike McDaniel mm-hmm. is an engineer. Yeah. Uh, and he's a craftsman really. Uh, and so, um, I think that, uh, he's, he's a little bit opposite Joe Philbin that way. He's also opposite Joe Philbin in another way, which is that to say that, you know, Joe Philbin attached himself to Aaron Rodgers and got a job because he was attached to Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean, Mike McDaniel's background as a run game coordinator, think of all the good running games that we've seen out of the 49ers and how consistent they are. Um, that way and we're talking about like who who was doing that running though we're talking about Carlos Hyde Matt Breida Alfred Morris um, you know Jeff Wilson Raheem Mostert uh, you know the guys that um, and this year uh, Elijah Mitchell um, we're 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 not talking about we're not talking this isn't Terrell Davis you know this is this isn't this is these aren't Hall of Famers or something like Mm -hmm. that Um, so so he's he's achieving um, even though he's not had great players attached to him necessarily. And if you want to even get into the quarterbacks where we are talking about CJ Beathard and, uh, and Nick Mullins, you know, in addition, and now this year, Trey Lance, in addition to Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo himself being a talented quarterback, but also many people regard him as a flawed quarterback. And I think a lot of people would say the exact same thing about Tua Tungavailoa, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's a talented quarterback and he's very accurate, but some people regard him to be a, an impaired quarterback, like, because he just doesn't have the physical ability well that's jimmy that's jimmy too um so if you're if you're bringing um bringing mike mcdaniel in here uh and he's he's got to make this work with tuatunga valoa and you're not the biggest fan of tuatunga valoa you would you know but you but you understand that they're going to probably go with him anyway because they don't have much a a choice next year then um you got to be a big fan of mike mcdaniels uh but the other thing that i really like about him and is is you just nailed it you talk about the offensive line um this is an area that the dolphins are completely clueless clueless on uh over the years i mean they they cannot make a decision in any direction they can't they can't make good decisions about who to acquire they can't make, make good decisions about how much to pay them and they can't make decisions about uh who to keep because they they boot guys who end up playing well uh, or end up playing better than than the guys that they keep. Um, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, they keep screwing it up all over the place with the offensive line. And I think that Mike McDaniels not only changes the entire ethos uh, on on what kind of offensive line players that they see, because Miami has this history of just constantly going after these, you know, big stupid uglies who um who don't uh you know who who don't play very smart and uh and aren't very mobile uh, but they're big and very strong or, or at least that's what they're here to be 
Mike McDaniel's that system requires maneuverability, requires mobility, um, and so I think, and and it requires it requires a lot of um, intelligence as well. That's why you see them going with veterans. You see them acquiring an Alex Mack, or you see them getting Trent Williams, or, or going with uh, veterans uh, under Kyle Shanahan this year on the offensive line. I think it changes the entire ethos of the offensive line uh, uh, acquisition. Uh, and that's a good thing because this, whatever they're going for right now, it's, it's bullshit. It's not working. Um, and I also think it brings a cohesive vision to the offense too. And this is, I've talked about this in the past. This is what I want. I want somebody that brings a cohesive vision of how to incorporate run pass um, into play design into personnel uh priorities uh and, and and all that and we don't know that mike mcdaniel has a full grasp of all these things but certainly his circumstances of where he's come from suggest that he does so um so this is this is a very strong candidate for miami um it could he could he be a good leader of men uh you know based on his demeanor and stuff like that i don't know that i do think it is unfortunate that whoever comes in next is going to have a very tough job because the defensive players all spoke up and were like, this is bullshit. We don't, we don't like that Brian Flores was fired. Um, and so whoever's in there next has to win them over somehow. And you, you kind of wonder, does an egghead, you know, a bong hitting egghead, is, is that going to do it? Um, results always speak. So if they see the results, then yes. But, um, but that's, that's going to be the challenge. Yeah, and there's a video. Egghead. That should be the headline of the Miami Herald if he gets the job. (laughs) He should put that as a nameplate on his desk if he gets the job. If he gets the job. There's a video on. on You were just saying he looks like this. We're not saying he is. Allegedly. Just in case his lawyers are listening. Yeah, allegedly. Uh, There's a video on YouTube by Brian Baldinger. Uh, uh, You know, we're all fans of his on this show. And he's talking about the genius. And he actually titled the the video this, the genius of Mike McDaniel run game system or his run system. Uh, first of all, it's a two-count system, okay? If, for people that know about football, when you say two-count, you're talking about just two things. You're telling what the running back is going to do and what the offensive line is going to do. That's it. No else. Nothing else. There's other teams that use four counts, okay? Sometimes even use five counts to call a run play, Okay. But this video shows a game from the 49ers against the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they were doing to TJ Watt, okay? They kept using what is what they call influence blocks, which is essentially an offensive lineman or a tight end is going to fake as if he's going to block one way to try to influence the man in front of him to do one thing or the other. TJ Watt kept trying to get wide, and they kept running inside of him. So he, uh, Brian Baldinger shows how in the same game, TJ Watt keeps getting wide. They keep running inside of him. They keep gaining yardage. TJ Watt makes an adjustment. He decides, I'm going to crash down play after play after play. It took two plays, and the 49ers started double teaming him and driving him into the ground and then running right over him. Uh, this is the type of guy I, I want coaching my team, a guy who is so detailed that he's going to pick up on one tendency from one player on the opposing team and use it to their advantage the entire game. Uh, yeah, I tend, yeah, I tend to like Mike McDaniel. I, I just like him. Um, tell him more. I think more, obviously, Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator. I think, you know, if, if Greg Zerline was more accurate, 
you know, he'd probably be the number one coaching prospect here because the Cowboys would probably be 14 and two. Um, what I love about Moore is that obviously he was a lefty. He is young. He's a very interesting play caller. I love his schemes. I love his spacing. Um, I love the story this week that Dan Quinn conducted a mock interview with him ahead of his interview with the Jaguars, which says a lot about Dan Quinn as a personality, mm. but it also speaks to the inexperience of Kellen Moore. Um, I think he's going to have to blow the doors off to get uh, to get the job solely because he's so young. I also don't think that his offense is particularly quarterback friendly, actually. You know, there's a heavy dosage of those pure passing concepts that I think um, require uh processing ability and taking advantage of what the defense provides, what the coverage provides. Um, and I wonder, you know, in terms of, you know, it, it's a hire, I think that looks really promising for a team with a solidified young quarterback to groom. And that might not be Miami. It might not be Jacksonville. It might not be Chicago in terms of to uh, Trevor and, and Justin. Um I don't know. Maybe that's that there are adjustments to make because maybe it's you know a mixture of his scheme and Mike McCarthy's scheme. But I suspect he is probably it's probably just a little bit too soon for Kellen Moore to be. You know, there's going to be players in the locker room that are going to be older than him. You know, and that's a bit different with Sean McVay, who was a coaching has always been a coaching maven. You know, Kellen Moore has obviously been a quarterback in the NFL um, more recently, probably than. You know, he, he cares to remember, whereas Sean McVay obviously has been on that coaching side of things for, for a lot longer um, and therefore has been around players in terms of a responsibility position rather than a um, teammate position. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris, your thoughts on Kellen Moore? My thoughts are, are yeah. very brief on Kellen Moore, uh, and I'll go before Chris if, you, if you'd mind. Um, yeah, that's fine. He's, he's coming from a system where uh, they don't lack in talent. Like, that team is absolutely loaded offensively. And I love Dak as a quarterback, by the way. I really do. I really do think that, that Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback and sometimes plays like a top five quarterback. So, you know, I'm, I'm always leery of that, especially the young guy who hasn't really, you know, has he really gone through any adversity? Like he's, it's all been rainbows and flowers since he got into as a coach. So, yeah, um, not ready yet is what I would say, Chris. I think he's a good interview. I think, um, you know, it, do, it, it doesn't sound like uh, like he's ready yet. Um, but I would uh, the thing you point out is, um, you know, again, it's like it's like deciphering why why this person's here. Why is this person there? Uh, who was the last left handed quarterback to play in the NFL before uh, Tua Tunga Vailoa? It was Kellen Moore. <laughs> and um, and he uh, he's he's not only a left handed quarterback, but he's a left handed quarterback with a weak arm. So um, so a lot and a lot of people, you know, have criticisms of uh, of Tua Tunga Vailoa's arm strength, uh, which is clearly below average for an NFL starter. Um, so, you know, there's there's that and maybe maybe he could, you know, identify how to make things work there. Um, that's, that would be the hope, but, uh, I, I'm not sure that I see it myself. Um, like, like you said, I want to see him, um, come under fire in a couple of different situations, uh, and, and then, and still succeed. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe perhaps this is an interview that, uh, that you keep in the back pocket for future years. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, 2026 or something like that when, <laughs> when we go through this all over again all right i mentioned him before but um he's coming up now nathaniel hackett i guess the pro is uh blake bortles 
was a Pro Bowl quarterback under Nathaniel Hackett, and he had the number yeah. one run game in Jacksonville. He was always also fired in Jacksonville. Now he's, you know, he's uh, can't have a better situation than the one that he has right now in Green Bay. But it's, you know, we're back to that thing. Whoever stands next to Aaron Rodgers gets a job. Uh, well, Simon, your thoughts? But, well, I'm not sure that's true. You know, you, okay. look at, you know the Packers were 24, 23, and 1 in Rodgers' last 48 starts under Mike McCarthy prior to Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett arriving. They're now 39 and 9. Um, Rogers said he wanted to be coached and has been hard coached by Lafleur and by Nathaniel Hackett. Rogers kicked up a fuss about Alex Van Pelt being removed uh, at the back end of the Mike McCarthy era. He now, you know, he loves he loves um, Nathaniel Hackett. You know, he said he isn't like the rest of them, and speaks to about his energy. I think obviously you can uh, obviously a lot of the success is credited to Rogers, but I don't just think it's a case of look, just because somebody works with him, he's necessarily going to be a genius. Um, but that offense is so rhythmic. It's so well designed. It's so well schemed. People are always running open, um, you know, and, and beyond Devontae Adams, the receivers are okay, but they're not, you know, Alan Lazard, Valdez Scanning, they're not like, you know, yeah, we're not talking about top echelon NFL receivers. Doesn't really have a tight end, obviously, because Robert Tonyan's torn his ACL. The run game is really good. Um, uh, yeah, like Piari is making his uh, made it just made his debut this, this yeah. past week. So they may I do mean, with a backup they, left tackle. I mean, they've been playing with their third string left tackle really because Josh Lyman backs up both Elton Jenkins, who's out with a torn Achilles, and David Bakhtiari is coming out from the ACL. They've also lost. They've also lost Jenkins. They lost Josh Myers, who played very well, the second-round centre from Ohio State. So Billy Turner's been out. He's played really well at right tackle, right guard. Um, so, yeah, it's. Um, I think Hackett's a very interesting name, but obviously has interviews but hasn't yet. Uh, had, Luke Getze is the other name at Green Bay. He's the quarterback's coach as well, who's another interesting name, who might get an offensive coordinator gig before he gets a head coaching interview. But there are rumours that he might get uh, an HC interview. At Chris? I'm uncomfortable just because, you know, it. I understand that I am, by the way, I am impressed by the, by the season that he got out of Blake Worlds. Uh, no shortage of being impressed there um, uh, in Jacksonville. But uh, I just get un- uncomfortable with this whenever you have this situation that's like, okay, who is it, you know? And um, and who is it? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it is it Matt LaFleur, who's a head coach for a reason, you know, who, who – uh, he is an offensive guy. This is what he is. And so you've got the offensive guy under the offensive guy uh, attached to the hall of fame quarterback. And, and you're kind of like, mm. and, and sitting next to the other guy who's getting a, a lot of attention. Who's like, Oh, is he the, is he the secret brains? You know, Luke Getzey, you know, who is it? And I, I get really uncomfortable with that. I do. Um, and, and so I, you know, I wouldn't, I would probably, I don't want to rule things out because of that, but it's, it is, it is conspicuous to me and, um, and it wouldn't be my choice. Yeah. It's also really interesting how, you know, Doug Marone and Nathaniel Hackett are like the next big thing in the AFC as they take the Jaguars to the AFC championship game. The following year, they start three and eight and Doug Marone not only fires several guys off the staff, but Nathaniel Hackett is fired and everybody's standing looking around saying you're firing the guy that got that out of Blake Bortles and the number one run rushing attack with Leonard Fournette Leonard Fournette quickly after Nathaniel Hackett got released started asking for a trade and everything went haywire 
in Jacksonville, which kind of, you know, bodes badly for Doug Marone <laughs> as a candidate. Although we've, we've spoken, spoken about him before on this podcast. Um, and you guys know that, knows that, know that story. And if you've been on OnlyFans, you know it, know it too well. Um, and how come we haven't heard Doug Peterson's name? Uh, it almost makes way too much sense, but you know, I don't think they would, uh, we were talking off the air. I don't think that they would hide him. Although he, you know, they don't have to announce or ask for uh, an interview since he doesn't have a job. But how come we haven't heard his name? Like, is this just not going to happen? Like, he's just not a candidate. Doug Peterson is Doug Peterson on the list. I was told no. So um, he he does make a lot of sense. I mean, there's, I think I, I I've always thought that um, that the theme of this uh, this hiring cycle might be to getting getting a guy with experience. Um. And as opposed to when you got to blow up the roster and, uh, and start fresh, um, you know, sometimes you want, you might think about hiring the next, the next Don Shula or the next Bill Belichick or some, you know, somebody, somebody that's, um, that's a little bit green that could grow with the, the roster and, you know, um, grow with everybody. I think when they think they've put together a roster and uh, now they want somebody to guide it to guide it to to the Super Bowl. Um, so I think that they could be looking for experience and Doug Peterson has experience, but you know, a lot of people in Philadelphia are quite quite uncomfortable with um with Doug Peterson yes. for whatever reason. Um and I think that uh he's also good friends with like Dan Marino and plays golf with um, <laughs> yeah and and sort of you, you sort of wonder if there may be there might be I mean, sometimes you don't hire your friends <laughs> yeah, um, because you might have to fire your friends. Um, and so I wonder if there's, you know, he's close enough with some people to not be on the list. And uh, I am told that he's not. Um, now, I think uh, I think Alf, you've said before, he's not employed by anybody. So they could hire or they could interview him in secret. Um you know, who knows? So, so maybe, maybe we wouldn't know that. I also don't see there's any reason to hide it. Uh, if you did interview him, uh, certainly he would, he would not want to hide it. Like he, he, he wants to get his name out there. Um, so I, I just, I just have been told no. So I, I don't, I don't see that uh, happening. Uh, another popular name that everybody keeps bringing up is Jim Caldwell. Um, but yeah. And we've all I, been told no on that. Yeah. It's like, it, it doesn't seen it doesn't seem likely I've been told he's not healthy and I've been told he's not really healthy enough, even though he says he is. Um, He is 67 years old. The last time he was in the NFL was what, 2017? Yeah. Um, And and that's like in in any capacity. I mean, he was with the Dolphins uh, technically, only technically as a consultant in uh, 2019. But I think that that, you know, we we've seen he didn't really didn't really have time to really do anything. So I don't think that counts. But um, it's you're that age. Uh, some people b- seem to believe that you're of questionable health, and uh, you also haven't even been in the in, in the NFL in any capacity in five years. Uh, no. Yeah, and you said something interesting earlier about you know hiring the next Don Shula. The only guy that has like a parallel with, with Don Shula out of all of these uh, these candidates is Dan Quinn because Don Shula was a defensive guy. Don right. Shula lost a Super Bowl with the Colts that everybody thought was a, an embarrassment. Uh, Dan Quinn did the same, uh, losing a 28 to three lead <laughs> in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. So those are the, those are the, the parallels. Uh, those are the only yeah. parallels between Don Shula and any of these candidates. 
is a guy who's failed before in a Super Bowl. Uh, failed, failed head coach. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, you know. So uh, I guess we could we could, we'll finish up here. Have you ever have you ever taken a look at Nick Saban's staff from 2005 and 2006 here in Miami? Chris? Oh yeah, it's um, it's it's incredible, right? The, it's the insane. 2000s. Like if you if you're thinking about if you're thinking about not just the pro landscape but the the college landscape, yeah. you know the guys that the guys that they had here. I mean, they had um, Derek, you know Derek Dooley and uh, and. Will Muschamp and um, at Kirby one Smart. point they they had Kirby Smart here, um, but they also had you know some other guys of pro pro fame. You know I mentioned Richard. He had Dan Quinn. You know yes. Dan Quinn under him. He had Richard Smith. Uh, he had Mel Phillips and uh, George Edwards. And, yeah, George um, Edwards and Mel Phillips. By the way, uh, if there were ever a Hall of Fame for uh, assistant coaches, George Edwards would go mm-hmm. in as a linebackers coach, and Mel Phillips would go in as a DBs coach. Yeah, and and also Jason Garrett and uh, Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan um, yeah. and Hudson and Hudson Howe. You know, Hudson, yeah. Hudson <laughs> it Hack was an all star all star at that time. Was like and Mike Malarkey, one of one of if not the. I mean, that was yeah. The next year, he had he had Mike Malarkey. Um, Hudson Howe at the time was considered, you know, as as much a premium name in offensive line as Dante Scarnecchia. Yeah, um, and Keith Dom Armstrong Capers. and Don Capers. Dom Capers, you know, um, so I think that, uh, yeah, this is, this is quite the staff. And that's where you that's I think a lot of people are starting to appreciate that now, like who can bring a staff with them and who mm-hmm. can and not just a staff that looks that's my that's my final right question. Who, who can do it out of all these guys? Who has the connections? Who has the Rolodex? Uh, I don't. Well, I, I have to think that Dan Quinn has the advantage um, uh, amongst all of them. Uh, and and so, you know, you wonder if he's got the biggest advantage um i also kind of wonder about and this is so miami you know they you've mentioned before uh, they've got they've got all the assistance uh, for another year um mm-hmm. and and so you wonder uh if if they've got all the assistance for the are, are they going to try and like shove a lot of those assistance onto whoever comes next um, obviously if it's Dan mm-hmm. Quinn, then you're not going to necessarily try and shove all of those defensive assistants on him. He's going to want to, he's going to want to design things. But, um, I, I wonder about that. I, I can't say who is staying and who's going among Miami's assistants, but I, I can say that, um, I don't know of anybody that is, that plans on, on, uh, following Brian Flores to his next stop. Uh, and I know of a few that I'm told are not, <laughs> <laughs> you are definitely not. Um, you know, I can't say whether Josh Boyer is, uh, for example, is um, is going to stay in. But you know, somebody on OnlyFans was pointing out that he, he might be. You know, he lives he lives next to Josh Boyer, and he might be doing some things that suggest he doesn't plan on leaving anytime soon. Um, you know, and, and so we'll see on on that front. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they try. I mean, they've done that. Steve Ross has done that before. He's done that before. I mean, he's, he's, you know, Hey, how do you feel about keeping this guy? How do you feel about keeping that guy? You know um, he's done that uh, during his hiring, uh, his hiring sessions. And I think that um, he might do the same thing this time. Yeah. And, and, and I would say this, um, most of the defensive staff is under contract for another, another year. Uh, obviously they can get out since the the head coach, they all, I'm pretty certain that they all have a clause that, gets them out of the contract if a head coach is fired. So, you know, you know, I'm pretty certain that if they want to leave, they can leave, especially for, for, uh, 
a promotion somewhere else. But I would try to keep Josh Boyer, Gerald Alexander, and Austin Clark, and that's the defensive backs coach, the DC, and the defensive line coach. Like those guys have a very good reputation around the league. Uh, obviously, the move, and I don't know what you think about this, and I guess we could close with this. The move, you know, kind of seems like should be bringing an offensive guy and trying to run it back with these guys on the defensive side of the ball. Just try to keep the best of Brian Flores around and try to improve what wasn't so good under Brian Flores. Like that seems like the, the, the simple answer, doesn't it, Chris? Ladies and gentlemen, what you just heard was actually a clip from uh, January of 2007. Uh, you probably didn't know, but, um, but yes, that was, that was yep. Alf. That was Alf, uh, 15 years ago. Uh, he sounded much younger then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yes, that was, that was the exact same, uh, thought process heading into 2007, you know, Nick Saban, Nick Saban goes, um, you know, we've got a great defense under Dom capers. Uh, what we need to do is we need to hire an offensive guy to, to just, just transform the offense and, and run it back with the defense and transform the offense. And, you know, we don't, you know, we've even got the defensive guy already in Dom Capers. We don't need we don't need a new guy. So, you know, you could say Josh Boyer is going to be that guy here. Um, and so we we end up hiring, um, you know, a total a total dipshit uh, as a head coach. And uh, <laughs> because he's because he's, you know, he's going to transform the offense. And Wait, by are you the calling way, Cam Cameron a dipshit? Yeah. And by the way, and by the way, it was a dipshit who was associated with and riding the coattails of a, a hall of fame quarterback. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, don't we, don't we have some, you know, don't we have some of that, uh, that we've just talked about here. Um, yeah. so I, I think that, um, yeah, you know, definition of insanity, but, um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see who, who proves to be the, the right candidate and, and who, um, who really interviews well and just impresses everybody. Yeah. Um, by the way, on OnlyFans, and you could get OnlyFans for three dollars a month if you wanna if you wanna see how you could get onto OnlyFans, go to our pinned tweet on our three yards per carry Twitter page. I mean, it's basically it's patreon.com slash OnlyFans. It's not yeah, it's not complicated. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh we will talk to you again next week. Uh, I don't know if we'll have a head coach. I doubt it, since they're gonna interview certain people toward the end of next week. But if news breaks, I guess we'll break in. But a programming note, uh, from now on until draft season, we will have one show a week. We will try to you know, plant that show in the middle of the week uh, to make it as convenient as possible. We will have reports from Senior Bowl week. We will have reports from free agency. And, of course, we go back to two a weeks during draft season. But talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.